Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Drop Step podcast. Another exciting episode for you today. We have the one, the only Harrison Fagan joining us today for an LA Lakers 23-24 season preview. Harrison, how are you doing today, man? You've just got back from vacation. Are you ready to dive in to the Lakers? Yeah, I absolutely am. And thank you for having me on. I, you know, the I am so... It's still in vacation mode and coming back that you saying 2324 still sounds weird to me. I was like I was like, "Oh yeah, that's right. It is. It's going to be 2024 this year." That's sort of how, you know, out of uh, out of a loop I was on vacation and like not thinking about the season. But no, this will be fun to kind of jump back in. It's insane. We're sort of in the dead zone of the NBA news cycle. So it does kind of feel like time is a little bit arbitrary at the moment. If it was 2017, yes. we wouldn't know. If it was 2030, we wouldn't know. We're just That sort of August period is a nightmare for an NBA fan. But if you've been listening to The Drop Step, I'm sure that we provided a little bit of entertainment. And that's what we're going to try and do here. So without further ado, simple season preview from me and Harrison today. And Harrison, I don't know about you, but I think it's probably been the least eventful offseason as a Lakers beat writer, as a Lakers coverer, fan that at least I can remember, probably since LeBron has got to LA, has that sort of consistency and just not being headline news been a little bit refreshing? Yeah, I mean, as somebody who has to, you know, blog about this team still <laughs> fairly consistently, um, yeah, no, it, 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 I, I actually completely agree with your assessment. I think this has been because you know since LeBron got there, there was you know the meme team signings of of twenty uh, twenty eighteen, uh, mm-hmm. and then there was you know the massive overhaul in the twenty nineteen summer, headlined by the Anthony Davis trade, the Kawhi Leonard pursuit. Then they win the title, and then they have to start the season like a month later, the next time yeah. around, and they over still over a good chunk of the roster, bring in Marc Gasol, Montrezl Harrell, you know, Wes Matthews, a bunch of new guys, you know, sort of shipping out uh, a bunch of contributors to that title team. And then the next summer, there was the Russ trade, and they bring in, you know, like every single washed-up Hall of Famer that was available. Uh, and then, you know, the, they uh, then the next summer was just like the sort of Russ sanity of every single day is a new will-they-won't-they they trade Russ story type of thing. And, you know, they overhauled the roster, they get a little younger, and then there's kind of the crazy trade deadline and, you know, all of that stuff. And then to get to this one where it's like, yeah, you know, they 
they re-signed Austin Reeves, they re-signed Rui Hachimura, re-signed D'Angelo Russell, you know, brought in a couple sort of minor contributors, um, you know, brought in um, uh, Gabe Vincent and, you know, sort of uh, like swapped him in for Dennis Schroeder was sort of like the biggest move they made, I yeah. guess. And so when that's the biggest move that you've made, and I think that that can be, you know, like a fine move for them. I, I think we'll see if he can be an upgrade on Dennis. I think, you know, if his playoff shooting relatively holds up, he probably is. But um, for the most part, you know, yeah, quiet offseason, mostly just sort of ran it back with the guys that reached the Western Conference Finals, which, yeah, like like you said, was sort of refreshing. Yeah, I particularly enjoyed that Lakers offseason where they went full Harlem Globetrotters and it was like, Carmelo Anthony, come and join us. Russ, we're going to sign you. It was it was yeah. very entertaining, at least from a new standpoint. And then you saw the sort of lack of tempo on the court and it was, oh, no, I'm actually going to have to tune into this and watch pretty much all of my favorite players of the last decade just not look like themselves anymore it was a little bit harrowing for someone that's sort of grown up with the NBA in the 2010s Carmelo Anthony not being able to haul himself down the court Russ being Russ we'll, we'll move on from that but just sort of getting back to that offseason uh, I was really impressed at some of the contracts that the Lakers actually dealt out that Gabe Vincent pickup I believe three years 33 million something along those that lines right, basically yeah. the mid-level exception Cam Reddish on uh, a minimum, Torian Prince with the biannual exception. Um, and then in terms of re-signing guys, I thought it was really reasonable. So Rui Hatchmore has re-signed for three years, $51 million. Austin Reeves has re-signed for four years, $54 million, which I think there's an argument that is the pickup of the offseason or that the retention of the offseason. The fact that the Lakers haven't had to pay through the odds for someone that's currently showing out for the USA team in the FIBA World Cup and really proved his chops as a meaningful playoff contributor last year. Um, that's I don't know why the San Antonio Spurs or someone like that didn't come in and at least make life a little bit uncomfortable for the Lakers. And then, like you mentioned, D'Lo coming back on a two-year $36 million contract with that second year being a player option. What what was your standout move? Is it that Austin Reeves retention? Are you excited to watch him in the purple and gold this year? Yeah, it, it's got to be the Austin one because, like you said, it's it's probably the bargain of the summer, and it has been funny to watch the reaction to it from sort of you know NBA Twitter, the NBA community at, at, at large, you know, during the FIBA World Cup, and you know his sort of so far. I don't know when this podcast is coming out, but he looked really good against New Zealand yesterday. He looked really good in you know sort of the exhibition games. You know, maybe he has stinker early Monday morning or you know whenever you're listening to this. But you know, for the most part, has been really really good, and everybody you know has continued to sort of hammer these other teams for not offering him an offer sheet. And it's like, well. Did they really need to watch him play really well in FIBA to know that he was this good? <laughs> yeah. You know, this is not like I've I've been watching his entire career. I watched his playoff run, most notably last year. You know, like this is who he is. This is not he's not, you know, doing any. You know, I know he's been shooting really crazy well from three, but that hasn't been the majority mm. of his impact. It's been the ball moving, you know, the off the dribble chops, the playmaking, you know, the ability, the ability to hold up well enough on defense. It has been sort of funny to watch teams uh, sort of, you know, just look at him and and they see like the skinny white guy and they're like, okay, we're going to yeah. seek him out and we're going to try and post him up. And, you know, you're, they're going to win some strength battles there or whatever, but he has sort of, you know, long-ish arms. He's going to fight. He's going to try. And he's going to make you at least take sort of like a difficult jump hook over him. He's going to hold up mm -hmm. decently on that end when you try to pick on him. He's better than a lot of these teams seem to think. And, you know, you, 
as someone with the on-ball chops that he has that's going to be able to take the ball out of LeBron and AD's hands and sort of some of that offensive creation load, I think he is maybe, I don't want to say the best bargain contract in the NBA because that's always the max guys, you know, the super-duper max guys that are like way underpaid relative to what they would get on a true free market. But, you know, he is one of sort of the bargain contracts in the NBA and certainly probably the most bang for your buck that you're going to get out of a role player. Without shadow of a doubt. I mean, last year, 13 points per game on just a 69% true shooting, which I don't think most NBA bigs get up to sort of around that league high. Just incredible. And then really scaled up his game while keeping that true shooting consistent as well. I I love Austin in terms of, I don't know if you could probably pick a better team for him to be on in terms of taking some of that creation load off of LeBron, having that role threat in AD, a great screener as well to work with he can just sort of scale up his game dependent on who he's next to. And then we're real times during that playoff run where he took over and it was, he certainly got the mentality to do that as well. So four years, 54 million an absolute steal. And I feel like we're just going to reach the saturation point where it was a bit of a feel good story for the last two years. You know, look at this undrafted guy playing for the Lakers. It's fantastic. Oh, LeBron loves him. He's a meme, etc. to, yeah, the league is probably oh, look at, have yeah, it's like you know, look at yeah. look at the skinny white guy with the floppy hair, and like you know, yeah. he doesn't, you know, yeah, oh wow, he doesn't belong, but no, like he's he's just really good, you know, like there is a meme aspect to it. I get it. He doesn't look like most sort of NBA stars and really good role players that we've seen, but you know, he's he's legitimately really good, and he's gotten better every offseason. I'm, I, I think the whole Team USA thing and how much they're relying on him may just sort of continue that progression upwards. We've seen a lot of guys sort of take another leap after. After they are able to sort of pr- almost prove it to themselves on that stage. And so I am sort of excited to see the way that he can leapfrog forward out of this. Yeah, absolutely. So in terms of free agency, that's sort of what we've what we've discussed. But the draft was pretty event- uh, eventful for the Lakers last year as well. I believe they picked Jalen Hudgefino at pick 17. Mm-hmm. Didn't necessarily have the best of summer leagues, but sort of getting acquainted with a new roster. And then they made some really meaningful additions in the second round as well. I think they picked up Maxwell Lewis out of Pepperdine, signed Colin Castleton on a two-way, which I've heard draft guys absolutely geek out about. You know, they they love yeah. his fit on the Lakers. So that's going to be an interesting one to see because the Lakers have a real history of just owning that second round of the draft and going and the undrafted guys. Yes. Yeah. It's them and the Heat, basically, right? Which yeah. which made the Gabe Vincent pick up all the more interesting. I wonder if he was on their radar a few years ago but that, i actually of, had not thought of that angle of it but that's very funny to picture you know yeah. the scouts they've been salivating over this they're like ah that was a that was one of the guys we wanted on an exhibit 10 or two-way and they snatched him and like they've just been waiting for this moment for him to hit free agency i'm sure there's a small room that you know pat riley goes to with one of the buses and they argue like i want max truths this year i want yeah. High Smith. i want it's, you know, it's max our Truth turn to get the market inefficiency undrafted guys yeah <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. But uh, one of the young guys that I'm really looking forward to watching this year is Max Christie for the Lakers. Sort of had a bit of a quiet first season, but jumped out in terms of being a, I can't remember if he was late first round or early second. He was certainly in the 30s. Early second, yeah. That was it. Yeah. But someone that can shoot off the catch, someone that showed they can fit into a defensive scheme. And then we went to Summer League and what we saw was some real sort of creation, uh, decent pick and roll ball handling. 
And like we said, just a real quick trigger on the offensive end. Do you think he's one of the players that sort of figures for a bigger leap? And maybe he's someone that might contribute more than some of these free agent signings that we've just discussed? Yeah, I mean, I think he's going to he's going to have to prove it during training camp. He's going to have to beat guys out. You know, that has sort of been a, you know, a, a hallmark of the Darvin Ham sort of coaching experience so far is where, you know, obviously veterans are going to get some level of deference. That is the case on every single team, you know, that kind of thing. But he is going to, you know, like force guys to battle in training camp for their roles. There are not really, you know, so far at least, there have not been a lot of sort of promises of, okay, you're going to start here. Or you're going to have this amount of minutes or or you're going to have, or, you know, any more so than other NBA teams or anything like that. And it does seem like he really wants guys to have to battle for their role. So Max is going to have to prove it during training camp. I thought that he had, a, you know, a, a really solid rookie year for a second rounder. Mm -hmm. I don't think he didn't look like, you know, future star Austin Reeves leap, you know, sort of that kind of close to the season like he had because of all the injuries and the Lakers being out of the playoffs during his first year. But I thought that Max, he impressed me when he got in there. You know, I actually thought that he maybe should have gotten a few more minutes. It wasn't something where you know it's like hey burn the building down I can't believe they don't recognize this like you know incredible <laughs> talent but he was a guy yeah. that you know for a second rounder he came in and he looked steady and capable and he looked trustworthy and he was you know way too skinny I think for you know sort of NBA player by NBA player standards I think he lost yeah. a lot of those sort of strength battles over the course of the year and but you know he uses his wingspan well he's a good shooter you know I think that uh, I echo a lot of what you said about his summer league being just really really impressive and you know if he can sort of carry that over into training camp he's the type of guy where you know I, I know like the Lakers signed Cam Reddish but you know Max Christie could end up being ahead of him in the rotation like that is a complete possibility based on sort of you know also the fact that the lakers you know they spent a decent amount of money to buy that second round pick for him if they yes. want to figure out if he's good or if he's going to hang hang around they only signed him to a two-year deal you know and so he sort of has to show it this year or you know he is going to be hitting free agency and you know who knows what where he's going to end up or you know so for him he has to prove himself and prove that he's an nba player and you know that whether it's the lakers or another team to pay him to keep him around uh given sort of his stock and then for the lakers like hey let's Let's figure out what we have in this guy and so i think he's going to get a real shot during training camp at the very least to you know have some of those battles against guys for um you know backcourt minutes absolutely and there's almost the argument if they feel like they know what they have in max christie and they're happy with them because of some of the depths on the roster and having those pieces that you know at least aren't going to let you down could we see a slightly slower year for max christie in order to secure him on a more reasonable second contract. You know, you don't want to be extorted every year just because you're picking up good second round guys. Like you said, it's going to be a bit make or break next year. I, I don't know. I'd really like to see him get some run just because he is. You're saying you wish you're saying they wish that they had uh, hid Taylor Horton Tucker a little more, you know, just uh, like not <laughs> had to pay him, you know, that giant contract to keep him, you know, after the, the yeah, they're going to, uh, I, you know, I, I maybe, but I, I think, yeah, actually, he would be restricted. So theoretically, it's not like they could just get outbid or he could just want to leave or, you know, whatever. They just have to extend him the qualifying offer and they could, you know, restrict him. I mean, I guess we do see teams do that in some sports. I feel like it happens less often in basketball. Yeah. I think a lot of that is like baseball and football and yeah, especially baseball where they're where they'll kind of be like, OK, that's enough. Back down to the minor leagues for you uh, until we <laughs> yeah. secure your next salary. Um, you know, uh, so, you know, maybe it's a it's it's an interesting kind of theory, I guess. 
guess, you know, they may yeah. want to kind of, I'm sure Cam Reddish, you know, guys like that are going to get some opportunities. The Lakers, mm-hmm. given their agency, given, you know, that the Lakers didn't bring them in because they don't want to sort of see what they have and, you know, what they can be and if they're, if they can contribute or not, especially if they feel secure and max. But I, I do think that he'll get a real chance to sort of, you know, play his way into the rotation. I'm, I'm not sure that they're going to try because, you know, they already saw with Austin Reeves, he can look as impressive as he did and they can still completely artificially deflate his market by just saying, hey, we're going to match anything. We will match you know, everything. Go yeah. ahead. Everything. Waste your time. We'll match it, you know, and so, yeah. Yeah, we'll see. It would be funny to see him average, you know, sort of 35 in the G League in February, though. We'll, we'll be watching out for it. But that sort of brings me on to because while we said that there's quite a lot of consistency going into this offseason, it was really about bringing back your own guys, keeping that core intact, keeping an actual basketball team intact, which I feel like LA didn't necessarily have for a season and a half prior. What do you think the starting five is going to look like when we roll into opening night? Because there's definitely some choices to make. I think they could slot a little bit, slant a little bit more defensively, starting a guy like a Jared Vanderbilt. Are they going to try and protect AD a little bit, offer Jackson Hayes some minutes, for example? And that starting point guard spot is another one where it's just, what are we going to do? Delo's on the bigger contract, but Gabe is there for longer. I, I think you're probably going to go and say it's training camp, training camp, training camp, but gut feeling Harrison who do you think we're going to watch start for the Lakers on opening night yeah yeah no it it is it's going to be one of the harder ones to predict I think this Mm -hmm. year because like you said you know there there's two I feel pretty comfortable we can lock into the starting lineup in uh in LeBron and AD actually really three because I don't I don't think they're going to start the year again with Austin coming off the bench or anything like he's shown that he's yeah, they he, he's on Team USA right now. He's going to start. So I, I think we can lock those three spots in probably pretty safely. Maybe Austin less safely than LeBron and AD, but I feel like probably just as safely. So, you know, that that's three spots. And then, like you said, there are a couple different ways that they can go. They've talked all offseason about, hey, you know, we want to play, you know, two bigs. We want to go back to the two big thing. I feel like that has been almost more of a Christian Wood recruiting pitch than it has been right. necessarily, you know, like anything that they're completely married to in terms of, you know, like if they start the year and it's not Christian Wood, let's say it's like Bismack Biombo or Usman Garuba or, you know, one of these guys that they, you know, even Wenyan Gabriel, you know, whatever, they bring him back for the 14th roster spot or something like that because right now they only have 13. They're leaving that 14th spot open probably for another big and then they're, you know, for, uh, for mid-season flexibility reasons and also taxes and, you know, uh, cost controlling and whatever, they're going to leave that 15th roster spot open. So they do have one more, you know, that 14th to sign. So it's possible that they bring someone in. It's that if it's, if it's not Christian Wood, I have a really hard time seeing them start Jackson Hayes next to AD and then just sort of, yeah, you know, like it just, that doesn't seem like, like if you have those two guys as sort of your centers and you're bringing in, you know, um, one of these sort of, you know, a little less talented or, you know, pedigree than Christian Wood, I, I don't see why you're starting those two together. I think Jackson Hayes would just sort of be the backup and AD would yeah. probably start at the five. I still relatively expect him to start at the five. I'm pretty confident that that's still going to happen despite everything that they've been saying. Maybe if Christian Wood comes in, you know, they try to start both of them together at least to begin um, or something like that. Those are two guys that theoretically could play together, but I think it'll be AD at center. I think LeBron will go back to sort of being, you know, more of kind of that 
you know, for like Carl Malone style four a little bit with more ball yeah. handling type of thing. Um, yep. And then I actually would predict that it's going to be Rui sort of replacing uh, Jared Vanderbilt in the starting lineup. He, I don't know if you've seen the photos or seen online, but he has slimmed down a little bit. It seems right. like okay. their plan may be for him to play the three and guard threes a little more, be a little lighter on his feet. We'll see how that goes, but just the fact that he's, you only have the off season to make physical transformations like that. You can't really do it during the season. It's pretty hard with all the games going on and everything. And so if they've, you know, they invested in him, they've sli- they've gotten him to slim down, all that stuff. That makes me think that there's sort of a plan there and there's a reason for it. And he's probably going to play the three. So that really only leaves that other backcourt slot open for the most mm. part. And, uh, you know, I... My guess is it will be D'Angelo Russell because I don't think, you know, number one, like he still, for as much as he sort of crapped the bed in the playoffs and especially the Western Conference Finals, you know, most memorably, um, you know, he is still probably the better individual player than Gabe Vincent. And, and he was really you know, valuable in that sort of end of season run that actually secured the Lakers that play in spot. We sort of forget yes. about it and we clown him now, but. That pick and roll creation that he's he's got good feel on the court. Sometimes, you know, he's not the best one-on-one defender, but particularly in Minnesota, we saw how he's a great communicator on the defensive end. There's it, it probably sometimes these things come down to who would it be more embarrassing for if they had to come off the bench, which is yes, why if you look yes. at a team like Golden State, Kevon Looney, despite being you know, a fantastic player for them, whenever they make a new signing, it's right. Uh, Looney, you're going to come off the bench for the first 30 games and then we'll actually get you back into the yeah. starting lineup. Yeah. I wonder if we're seeing games closed with Gabe Vincent, but D'Lo is starting and, you know, we, we sort of see how it goes on a night-to-night basis. But just coming back to your point about the two bigs. Last well, year, I just wanted to say, was, sorry, before you do, go. just about the D'Lo thing, just to sort of finish my thought as well. Like, you know, I agree with you 100%. And we're seeing this sort of thing on Team USA where they keep starting this starting lineup that, you yeah. know, it has not been very good so far. But then they'll close with the guys who are playing best. And that's sort of, that's another part of the reason where, like, I they they paid D'Lo all this money, you know, to get him to stay, be happy as a trade trip. I know that we're going to dig into sort of that part of it later a little bit. Yeah. Um, but then also, you know, hey, like he is a guy with some pedigree and like he already, you know, sort of took that contract, you know, stipulation, whatever. Like I I think, you know, if him and Gabe Vincent are about the same during training camp, I think Ty is going to go to the guy that's like made an all-star team before and they'll start the year. And then, you know, the real battle will be during games for who is going to close type of thing. Um, So yeah, I I 100% agree with you on that. But yeah, go ahead on the two bigs. On on the two bigs, I think the season was unlocked last year when... Uh, Darvin Ham really leaned into that AD-centric offense and just really utilizing his role gravity and getting him going towards the basket. Uh, I love some of the actions that the Lakers ran in terms of sort of close-knit screen and rolls, sort of starting it, not necessarily even at the three-point line, but I thought that was really interesting. And to complicate the spacing even more by bringing in a second big and making that role threat so much less potent, unless it is a Christian Wood, unless it's a... I don't know if Mike Mascala is anywhere. He's a guy that could potentially suit up again uh, in he's, the in the. He's on the Wizards still, right? Or did they cut him? I don't know. I don't know. He feels like he'll be somewhere else, regardless of where he is right yeah, now. Yeah, but, fair enough. Yeah, that's, yeah. He's Lakers legend Mike Mascala. You know they're gonna bring him back. Rob's gonna Rob's gonna make him work when Magic couldn't. 
<laughs> absolutely, absolutely. I mean, Mike, Mike was very valuable for the OKC Thunder last year, like completely yes. unlocked their spacing. But unless it's a guy that can really spot up from deep like a Christian Wood can, it, it makes no sense to go with the two bigs, especially when you have a guy in the roster like a Jared Vanderbilt who isn't the best three-point shooter, particularly on volume, but he's got a semi-reliable corner three. So if you can at least have him out there, and I I love watching Jared Vanderbilt in terms of that motor, the size, the ability on Same. the glass, the switchiness. I think you can ask him to take quite a lot of the load off of AD if you need to. You know, if, if AD's having a night where he doesn't want to guard, let's say, Jonas Valanciunas in the paint for 30 minutes and he wants to sit off in a sort of similar way to what he did in the conference finals against the Denver Nuggets. I know that's him not shirking the challenge against Jokic. It's a tactical decision, but that you definitely got the opportunity to do that with a Swiss army knife like a Jared Vanderbilt. And what really struck me during that playoffs as well, uh, particularly the Memphis series, just how massive the Lakers looked already. LeBron at the four, AD at the five, Rui or Jared at the three. That's three guys over six, eight, massive, big bodies, you know, not skinny in the slightest that can all hit the boards and just sort of really lean into that physical side of the game. So I'm really looking forward to seeing this Lakers team with some proper wing depth because I think that Max can play there as well. Like you said, there's Mm -hmm. Cam. But that fight between Rui Hachimura and Jared Vanderbilt is going to be really interesting to me because I think Rui popped quite a bit when he was coming in in second quarters and you sort of thought that the game wasn't going anywhere. And it's Rui Hachimura has eight points in two minutes. What the hell's going yeah, on? Yeah. Look at him getting his stuff in the mid post. Look at his first step sort of catching guys unawares. I, I don't know if they want to keep that balance of having that offensive pep, but... Yeah, we'll see. It's going to be interesting. I think you're right. I think if we had to lock it in, it would be D'Lo, Reeves, Rui, Bron, and AD as a starting five. And in the Western Conference, that's that is gonna that's gonna be right up the standings. I think. And I I really like that you brought up Vando. He's also been, you know, he was one of my favorite guys to watch all of last year. It was just so refreshing, especially after less so, you know, the season leading up to the trade deadline and that kind of thing, because I, you know, that team had a lot more, you know, to like about it than the previous year, Um, you know, but like, especially just comparing it to sort of the previous, the, um, you know, 2021-22 season, you know, like Jared Vanderbilt just flies off the screen as someone who is giving it his all every single possession and, you know, just playing his ass off and, you know, defending really hard. And he is a guy where, you know, we'll see sort of what he can do as a three-point shooter and like how much he can work on that this offseason. You know, if he comes into camp and he's just like nailing every single corner three or, you know, looking like a really ready and willing shooter type of thing. I think uh, that's a great call that he absolutely could be that guy that sort of, you know, gets reinserted in the wing and sort of re-earns that spot after losing it, you know, down the stretch of last season. And, you know, he's just a great even if he doesn't improve at all, he is a great regular season weapon as sort of a guy to throw on these opposing superstar wings. And so maybe we see him and Rui sort of rotate in and out on the, of the starting lineup in various occasions, depending on, you know, um, on sort of who they're playing or at the very least, like who is getting more run down the stretch of games. If they're, you know, if they're playing the Clippers, you know, or a team like that with these big wings, like that may be Vando closing those games because he can sort of, you know, affect the Kawhi Leonard or the, 
these kinds of guys. And if there's really sort of a perimeter player that the Lakers want to sort of, you know, cool down a little bit, he could be either a change of pace option off the bench or, you know, a valuable part of that starting lineup. But I just wonder how willing they'll be to start him if team sort of if the book is now out now that team saw it in the playoffs a couple years in a row where it's like hey we could just kind of play off this guy he's not really going to make enough threes like you know we'd rather send an extra guy at lebron or ad yeah absolutely i what really stood out to me about vanderbilt last year was you had a couple of crunch time games against the dallas mavericks towards the end of the year and he did a better job guarding luca than pretty much anyone i've seen in the league just so light on his feet for that size and for that weight he's he's a real he's a great asset to have and again another steal of a contract i don't know when that runs out i think it might be not this year but i believe he's extension eligible this year if i'm remembering this correctly and then i think he actually is a free agent or restricted free agent at the end of the year free agent of some kind i think i'm actually going to pull up Track right now (laughs) (laughs) yes yeah I, i had a look just before you logged on i was like right i've got to get this open i've got to write down the numbers so yeah, it's a, it's a man's best friend. I think it's Kevin Smith that runs it. Just uh, an absolute yeah, legend. Keith Smith, in yeah, of... Keith, Keith, yeah, a, a legend in terms of bailing out people doing podcasts around the globe. But yes. um, I'm just going to slow us down just for a second. He's an unrestricted me... free agent at the end of the year, actually. So not restricted. But yeah, so he is playing for his next contract. So, you know, we'll see um, sort of like how hard he's able to battle, you know, for those minutes in training camp. Is it possible to see Jared Vanderbilt give even more effort? That's something to tune into next season to see (laughs) if Jared Vanderbilt contract year just sort of is creating tire screeches on the court or something like that. Yeah, there's actual explosions coming coming from his collisions, you know, like like CGI, (laughs) just like flames coming out when he runs into guy. Yeah, it's going to be like a Fast and the Furious movie. Yeah, it could be great. Um, Like we said, we've got that starting lineup locked in. Uh, Rui potentially fighting for a place in the starting lineup. Gabe Vincent, I think, will probably come in towards the end of the season. But that sort of brings us on to, from a wider perspective, what are you expecting from the Lakers this year in terms of, like we said, stability, consistency, that regular season, if it all comes down to if Braun and AD are healthy, what sort of record do you think they're going to be gunning for this year? Yeah, I think they're probably going to be aiming for about the four or five seed. You know, I don't, I'm sure that, you know, coming into camp, they're going to talk about, they want to, you know, prove it and go all out all year and try and sort of, you know, uh, do better. But I I think the real goal is, hey, let's not end up in the play-in again. Let's not have to sort of, you know, go through this crucible uh, where we're basically playing play-in games every single night leading up to the play-in for, you know, mm-hmm. like a month. You know, let's let's be able to coast a little bit more down the stretch, you know, and, you know, hey, maybe we don't get home court advantage in the first round or maybe, you know, maybe we do, maybe we end up as high as three or whatever. But, I, like, I think the goal is remain out of the play-in, be able to sort of know who your opponent is going to be going into the first round you know have a little bit more time to sort of experiment with lineups down the stretch of games uh, and down the stretch of the season and you know take nights where LeBron or AD sit out and that kind of thing and you're not having to have these guys you know in LeBron's case come back early from injury in AD's case just you know sort of 
be like, hey, you know, can't make this injury worse, just going to play on it and sort of do pain management and whatever and sort of allow these guys to hopefully make it through the season more unscathed than they did last year to the point where, you know, maybe you see a little bit closer to what we saw in the 2020 bubble where both those guys had that rest period beforehand and they looked, you know, as good as we've seen them in the postseason because they were completely healthy and they fit super well together. And, you know, I don't know if that's a realistic goal for either of them at the ages that they're Mm -hmm. at and with the mileage that they're on especially LeBron but you know hey it's it's not like the Lakers had better options and so I think that sort of going into the year the goal will be hey let's give us ourselves some margin for error so that if LeBron has to sit out for you know either a couple scattered games here and there to rest or you know if he's going to miss two or three weeks that we're not still having scratch and claw at the end of the season to just like make the plan Absolutely. As derided as they've been, I wonder if the LA front office is sort of looking over at its Staples Center's neighbours and maybe thinking the Clippers have a decent idea in terms of roster management and uh, as you know, load management. Just keeping those two healthy is going to be so important for the Lakers as it is every year. But I think there were some cons- concerns, particularly in the playoffs last year, about the state that LeBron is at in his career. And, you know, not necessarily having that same burst, not being able to exert himself for an entire game, which we perhaps saw in that final game four of the Denver series where he goes off, uh, I think he was probably at about 30 points in the first half and then just sort of tanks it in the second purely because he ran out of gas. Um, Are you concerned about what LeBron James is heading into year 20? Yeah, we're calling it year 20. Wow, that's insane. Yeah, heading into year 20, do you think he's still a top five guy in the league, a top 10 guy in the league? I don't want to do a Stephen A take, but but what are you expecting from LeBron James next year? Yeah, I, I mean, I think that he's still he can still be a top 10 guy in the playoffs. You know, I don't think that Mm -hmm. he's a top 10 guy night to night anymore. He just doesn't, you know, he, I I don't think that he exerts the juice to have that level of impact every single game. There are still games throughout the regular season. Don't get me. LeBron is great. LeBron, you know, deserved to make an all NBA team last year. He is, he's incredible. One of still, you know, at his age, one of the, you know, 15 to 20 best players in the world easily on a night to night basis, but he's not, you know, in that top five night to night conversation or anything like that anymore. And so, you know, I, I think uh, of course, you know, to answer your question, like, of course I'm worried about what LeBron can provide on a night to night basis. Yeah. You know, he's, he's almost 40. Like, you know, this is, this is unprecedented. The amount of mileage yeah. that he has on his body and still the effectiveness that he's had. That is, you know, arguably the biggest question mark going into the season is, you know, was, sort of what happened to him in the playoffs is that either a inevitable or is that b like who he is now I sort of I I think the answer to both of those things is probably no if I had to bet like I don't think that either of those are uh, but it is possible that that is the case and it is possible that he is not able to that you know at at some point he is going to fall off it is going to happen I'm you know it it, it, that is uh, father time comes for us all I know it's cliche but you know uh, you got the Jason Momoa commercials like at some point Aquaman (laughs) is gonna slow him down you know but um you know it has not happened yet and until it starts to happen you know uh, and we see it you know throughout a whole season it's not like hey he took this injury and now he looks a little more limited or whatever you Mm -hmm. know I am sort of 
I have no choice but to sort of say, I, I think he's still probably going to be LeBron this year. And, you know, maybe he loses like little percentage points in various areas of the game. And he certainly does not exert himself on defense at the same level that he used to, and nor should he, you know, at his age. Um, but yeah, I, I think, you know, that he is sort of arguably the biggest question mark for the team. It's like, how long can he keep this up? I don't know. I'm, I'm not saying yeah. the answer is it's over, but at some point it, it's going to stop happening. And then that is, you know, uh, it, until we sort of confirm it's like oh okay he's defying father time again this year you know that is a question mark of course yeah i'm backing him to have another year of defying father time purely because for 55 i'm gonna say about 55 games last year he absolutely was that guy he single-handedly kept the lakers season alive when ad was out mm -hmm. for stretches i don't know if it was december january or february but he had a run where he did look like a top five player and yeah, turned up yeah. night after night after night. And we had those little chats that he was playing on an injured foot, that he was potentially exacerbating it. And there was a demarcation line of as soon as he broke that um, regular season points record, I think we saw him take a real step back purely because his body probably couldn't handle it. But as long as he's had a full off season with well, the and then he had he had the foot injury against the Mavs, where you yeah. know he actually had to miss a couple weeks, and sort of you know uh, according to him, the LeBron everyone but the LeBron James of feet said that he needed <laughs> surgery, and so I guess uh, you know maybe we'll find out if he had surgery or not this off season at some point. But yeah, I mean there was like a real legit injury there at the end too that mm -hmm. he was sort of playing on uh, down the stretch of the playoffs. So you could tell that was for me the line of demarcation where it's like oh yeah like he is sort of giving the ball up a lot more than he generally does, especially against the Grizzlies, where he was just sort of, you know, yeah, Austin, you just go cook. You're You've good. I, I don't think I need to, like, sort of turn it all the way on yet. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I don't know about LeBron James's sort of perspective, but for me, the doctor I'd go with isn't the one that's disagreed with all the other doctors. I don't know if that's what makes him the LeBron James of feet. That's an interesting scientific approach, but hopefully he's right. Um, in terms of Anthony Davis, I'm expecting a really great year from Davis because he's coming LeBron, off the back of... Oh, I, I go, think we go, learned go. LeBron picks the toothpaste that is recommended out by like one out of 10. Minutes. It's <laughs> yeah. a, you know, like, you know, it's, it's not the nine out of, he's like, it's not nine. He's like nine out of 10 prefer this one. No, no, no. I'm going with, the, I'm going with the other one. Yeah. I'm I want to figure LeBron out what does the one guy want, you know? Uh, yeah. This guy's got elite toothpaste taste. I'm, I'm, I'm going to go with him. He's a connoisseur. Yeah. Yeah. But I'm really expecting Davis to have, um, just again, kind of similar to the Lakers. I feel like the opinion on Anthony Davis has sort of mirrored the last few seasons of the Lakers where it's been turmoil. Has he come in too big? Is he injury prone? Can he hold up on a night to night basis? Ever since that title season, there's just been question mark after question mark. And last year was a real prove it year for Anthony Davis. And I think he came through it. I think he came through it even more so in the playoffs where he probably demonstrated that he's still the best defensive player in the league. In fact, yes. probably shone a little bit brighter than he's ever shone on the defensive end. He's not quite as switchable as he used to be, but just it looked like a black hole at the rim for teams in the Western Conference when they were trying to go against him in the playoffs. Yeah. They were scared. He made that top locking system against the Golden State Warriors work single-handedly. Um, I think that Davis is going to have a year where Hopefully he meets that 65 game threshold. I think he can have an all NBA year and I think he can have a defensive player of the year worthy year as well. It's just about that load management. Is he going to put the effort in from a night to night basis? And not necessarily is he going to put it in, but is the front office going to allow him to put it in? He's a guy that 
despite the reputation that he has, has spoke about wanting to play all 82 games, has played injured, has played hurt, and has gone back into games. I, I remember during the playoffs, I think it was maybe Memphis game two, where it looked like um, he had stars flying around his head in sort of Looney Tunes, yeah. Ice Jam fashion. It was, oh God, are we going to see Anthony Davis for the rest of the playoffs? And he was back out after 10 minutes. So this is a guy yeah. that played through pain. Uh, I'm really hoping for a great AD year because he is the guy that it hinges on. I think that with the shot creation that you now have on the roster with an Austin Reeves, with a D'Angelo Russell, with Rui to a certain extent, which we saw in the postseason, you can afford for LeBron to have slightly leaner nights or nights where he sits back a little bit. But what you can't afford is to be relying on Jackson Hayes at the five, to be bringing in Colin Castleton for big minutes. Or even you know, if Christian Wood is the signing that you make, you don't want him as your starting five because his team is built on that defensive identity. So it's all about managing Anthony Davis for me. Yeah, no, a hundred percent agreed. And I, I, especially the part about, you know, that was, I think as impressive defense as, as we have ever seen him play, you know, in the playoffs, because not, it's not that, you know, I, I think he would have been that good in the 2020 playoffs if it was necessary, but it was not, the Lakers didn't have that amount of holes. You know, his role was a little more limited, you know, in terms of uh, defense, obviously he was great during that whole run yeah. uh, on that end, but he didn't have to do as much as he had to do with this year years or with last year's team just to prop it up and make it work and single-handedly almost make it elite yeah yeah absolutely so in terms of a wider perspective I think that the Lakers are going to sit somewhere around the 48 to 50 win mark this year they're sort of reminiscent to me of a Mem uh, Memphis Grizzlies team that we saw last year that sort of eked out a 51 win season despite injuries despite jar despite controversy uh triple j missing time at the start of the season i think that the lakers are just going to be consistent this year which is something that we haven't been able to say for a couple of seasons and i think they're going to edge up towards that 50 win mark if they make it fantastic if they don't you know fair enough that's that's not where their priorities lie anymore this is a postseason team and i think they showed that last year harrison do you think they're going to be sort of in that ballpark yeah, I, I think that's a I think that's a fair prediction, and I also think you know a lot of that depends on AD's health to sort of yeah. circle back to the last thing. It's you know he's the guy that they cannot sustain an injury to. This roster is built to withstand an injury to LeBron. They obviously will not be as good. They will lose more games, you know, than they would with him out there or anything. But they have guys that can step up. They they have wing depth after years and sort of a wing <laughs> desert where they did not have that. And there were all these three guard lineups and you know just sort of trying to get through it they have you know guys that can play the wing and stuff like that they have guys that can handle the ball they have playmakers you know that can step up and sort of by committee provide enough of that stuff to get by should LeBron get hurt or have to miss a couple weeks or have to miss you know a couple nights or whatever the guy that they at least right now cannot withstand an injury to is Anthony Davis because he is sort of the key to them being survivable to them being a good defense and uh, as well like they just don't have anyone you know if he gets hurt right now it's Jackson Hayes and Colin Castleton like you mentioned now maybe yeah. they they bring in Wood or they bring in Garuba or they bring in you know um 
like Bismack Biombo or someone like that. But that's, again, those are not guys you want playing super high minutes necessarily. And, you know, they're certainly not going to provide the defensive impact that AD does. So, yeah, you know, they the Lakers really need him to, you know, stay healthy throughout the course of the season as much as possible. You know, I'm sure he'll miss games here and there. He's not a guy who's going to play all 82. Um, but, you know, if he can get to that 65, you know, 70-ish game threshold, you know, while maintaining, you know, relative health, which, again— is a big if considering his last several years, but if he can, I think they're, you know, pretty easily going to be in that range. Yeah, absolutely. I, I feel like if we'd done this season preview, if the drop step was running a couple of years ago, this would have been a three hour long episode, but because of the consistency and because of the relatively low key signings, we're, we're sitting at a crisp 45 minutes here, which I've been pretty impressed with, but there's just one final nugget that I want to touch on. Uh, I believe that you referenced it a little bit earlier on, Harrison, that D'Angelo Russell contract screams to me, you are getting traded at the deadline. All right. If you aren't getting traded, then we're bringing you back on your player option. And guess what? You're getting traded during the, uh, during the off season or something like that. We've given you a contract that you probably wouldn't have got on the open market, seeing how teams aren't necessarily willing to uh, trade for a guy like James Harden. Um, yeah, teams aren't willing to pay or trade for James Harden. You know, D'Lo was not getting this contract on the open market. Like, say what you will about James Harden. You know, he is a, he's still, a, and again, I say this as someone who is a D'Angelo Russell, like, believer, optimist. Like, I enjoy his game. James Harden, even, is more proven in the playoffs than D'Angelo yeah. Russell and more proven as a play. Like, I, I don't think that that's a hot take or whatever, but just I, the only reason I say that is not to slander D'Lo. But yeah, I mean, you see, like, James Harden would not have got, is not getting this kind of contract on the open market you know clearly or he would have you know opted out or looked to go elsewhere or whatever D'Lo would not have gotten this without the Lakers having his bird rights which brings me on to something that might annoy you might question might make you question why you've come on the drop step podcast but (laughs) the LA Lakers haven't been linked to James Harden as of yet he's shown himself wanting to get himself to the Clippers Oh, here I we go. Wonder, I like this. I, I see where you're heading. If this situation carries on for a little bit longer, if they take him into training camp, by the trade deadline, I think that Philadelphia is a team that's equipped to at least withstand a, another James Harden-style holdout in the way that they did with the Ben Simmons fiasco last year. Could Daryl Morey sort of, could there be some sort of arrangement where when D'Lo is trade eligible, when I'm going to say Rui, because I think he's probably the second most yeah. likely guy in terms of having a really reasonable contract. I, I, the numbers definitely add up. Is James Harden a guy that you would one like to see in the purple and gold? And two, is it any, is it in any way possible? Because to me, I just, I think about it and I think, Oh, you're looking for another creator to play next to LeBron's take the load off. You're providing him with, a perfect rim threat, uh, a rim runner, lob threat, etc. with Anthony Davis. You've got shooting around the floor. Could this be a bit of a match made in heaven bar the defensive ineptitude? I, I don't know. I, I'm flirting with it a little bit in my mind. This is... I, I love this theory, actually. Like, I don't right. love, I don't want it to happen, but I love this theory. And I love that you, uh, you know, I, I, I love that, you know, it's like, hey, he wants to get to LA. What if he wanted to get to that other LA team? Sort of when yeah. those guys become trade out. That is a fascinating theory I had not thought very much about um, that sort of is only more fascinating. I'm not sure if you were aware of this, but do you know who James Harden's last agent was, uh, you know, before he hired was someone from cool? Adidas now? Huh? Was it, was it Rich Paul? No, it was Rob Palinka. 
Oh my god! Wow. Yeah. yeah um, is, the stars are aligning here. I, I saw yeah, that. Uh, it's always sunny. Charlie looking at the corkboard. Me. Yeah. But... No. We. Yeah. We have the galaxy. Right. You know. We have all the little. <laughs> you know. Stickers and like lines. Yeah. You and me are right here. We got this figured out. Um, yeah. So you asked me if I would like it, and the answer to that is no. Uh, I would hate okay. it because James Harden is one of my least favorite basketball players to watch of all time. Um, Fair enough. And you know, but. I don't think, yeah, I don't think that it's crazy to yeah. think that it's, like, possible, at least. We've seen that this team, you know, they like their third stars. They like, you know, Rob Palenka, if there's one thing that he's shown, it's that, you know, when given the opportunity, he is going to chase that star power. That is something that yeah. he values sort of above all other things. He almost sort of got bullied into valuing depth over the last, like, you know, year or so because of how bad the rust thing went. But, yeah. you know... If James Harden is pulling, you know, he's channeling his sort of inner Andrew Bynum with the Cavaliers and he's pulling up from 75 feet every single time he touches the ball and, you know, just like trying to be as disruptive as he possibly can to the Sixers. And, you know, you can get him for like just D'Lo and Rui's contracts, maybe not even picks attached because the Sixers just like want him out of there or something like that. As crazy as that sounds, but maybe not that crazy. I mean, I don't know. Yeah. Uh it's an interesting theory. Uh, I, yeah, I, you know, like everything that you said about the basketball fit and why it would mm -hmm. sort of work in a vacuum makes total sense. I just have yeah. no belief that James Harden will show out in the playoffs. And so for me, I'm still like, like, at least you can like bench D'Lo and Rui if they're not working. Like James Harden, you're not going to bench him, you know? No. Um, all, I'll, all I'll say is the thought behind the Russell Westbrook trade was LeBron wants to take a little bit of a step back on a night to night basis. Let's bring in a high usage on ball creator. That yeah. Yeah. Take a load in the regular and this season. This one can actually shoot. You when know. the lights are shining brightest, Bron turns up and goes, James, you don't need to choke in the playoffs today. Give the ball to me. We'll work together. And go stand in the corner. And then yeah, James exactly. demands I mean, a look, mid playoff yeah, he did it in game four against the Celtics. It, it worked. Yeah. He's shown that he can at least turn up for big games. It gets him to LA. I reckon we've stumbled across it. And I think that he went to dinner with Rob Palinka as the playoffs finished. And they basically said, look, don't mention us yet, but we'll have you in our back pocket. There will be a chance for us to trade for you. It doesn't make sense for you to make your trade request to the Lakers now because we can't yeah. trade D'Lo, we can't trade mm -hmm. Rui. It doesn't make sense, but... By the time that playoff deadline, uh, sorry, trade deadline rolls around, I, I wonder if it'd be a thing. The other two names are obviously Kyrie Irving, which I don't see nearly as much. I think he's locked in in Dallas. Yeah, yeah. And I think it's just a sort of a Brian Windhorst pipe dream at this point. Well, then, that said, you know, it, it is at yeah. least interesting that Rui and D'Lo's contracts exactly yeah, line up to match Kyrie's. So, like, I don't think that that's nothing, but I agree with you. Like, I, I think he's likely staying put with the Mavericks. Yeah, they'd have to completely blow up this season and not be in playoff contention yeah. by the time the trade deadline rolls around. And the other player is an expiring contract. The Lakers have spoken about potentially wanting to go to a two-big lineup. Uh, there is a very versatile big man that can create for himself that could potentially slot in between LeBron and AD. Uh, I wonder if Pascal Siakam could be on the cards a little bit later on in the also, season. Also the a clutch client. Ball. So, you know, they got, uh, there's some, you know, some, some wrinkles there, whatever. But yeah, like, I, I think he's staying put with the Raptors. I think he's like the first player ever to like demand a not trade. You know, <laughs> yeah. he's like, he's like, no, no, no. He's like, guys, this is BS. You cannot trade me before I sign my extension. And then I demand a trade in a year. Don't you know how 
new this NBA free agency works. works. You have yeah. to pay me first, and then you have to trade me. This is you can't you can't put me on the market now. Um, yeah, uh, I have been a loyal servant. I've been with this team for a long time. I've performed well with them. And Masai Ujiri probably just went, oh, you want a trade request? Sure, yeah, we can make that happen. He said, no, I want an extension. Oh, yeah. oh, God, really? Okay, cool. Yeah. But yeah, I, I like the idea of Pascal on the Lakers. Yeah, that's well. an I interesting one. He he is a guy it. who I think would fit really well, uh, to be honest. Like, I, I would sort of, you know, I, I would like that uh, to, you know, it, it's a guy that, you know, can take that some of that defensive load off of LeBron and AD and, you know, has a little more offense, you know, than, you know, like, he really is sort of like a souped up much bulkier obviously way better jared vanderbilt type of thing where you know you can play him in the playoffs and you know but he can do a lot of those things that they were sort of relying on vanderbilt to do and having to rely on his flaws because of but yeah you know that's that's another interesting one that i had uh that i had not considered there you go we'll be checking out silver screen and roll for the three potential superstars la could trade for at the deadline i'm, I'm looking yeah that yeah one. i'm no i'm the, you there's an article there's some article ideas uh fermenting in my brain right now of Excellent. uh the, the the grand james harden conspiracy i i love this i mean i, I mean, don't what, love it i hate it but i also like i love it i love that you came up with it what gets people uh reading about the nba in august it's crackpot trade theories that's what we're here yeah. to do we're here to entertain there's nothing more entertaining than oh my god him yeah yes please. yeah no so we cool. just we just yeah. galaxy brain this thing together you know we went through all four stages of the meme uh you know like our, <laughs> our, our brain and the scope of our thought just got wider yeah. and wider i think so so harrison i think we should close up there before we start saying hey Giannis said that he's not necessarily going to sign an extension you do not have the facilities for that in terms of yeah no we're, we're saving that for next that's next off season we're we're sure. doing the Giannis thing we'll save that that's absolutely a lovely mirroring with the kareem bucks to la it that yeah. i'm sure that people have already got the jersey edits ready but um yeah i think we're gonna i think we're probably gonna wrap it up there any closing thoughts on the lakers are you excited for this season i think if I was in your shoes, I wouldn't be excited as much as I'd just be less worried than I have been for a really long time. I'm looking forward to a consistent season for the Lakers. I'm hopefully looking forward to more health. I'm wondering if Austin Reeves can make that big playoff leap. If Rui just showed up because he was in a contract year. Um, there's some questions to be answered, but they're not questions like, who is the fifth guy in our rotation? Who is the fourth guy in yeah. our rotation? So it should be a bit more exciting, right? Yeah, no, certainly less worried than last year's, but also excited because I, I think, you know, they made some additions. There's some, you know, camp battles like we talked about earlier that I'm excited to see sort of how play out. I think they have more, they just have more sensible rotation options than they have had in the last several years. And so I'm sort of, you know, there's a lot of lineups that I'm sort of excited to see if they can work. And, you know, mm -hmm. guys that I'm curious to see sort of like what their role is versus, you know, it's like, oh no, how, how big of a role is so-and-so gonna play or that kind of thing. It's like, no, like how big of a role can Max Christie play? It, it, what is what does the Cam Reddish experience look like? And, you know, that kind of thing. I'm, you know, the, the only thing I'm really worried about is, you know, that backup five spot uh, because yep. I don't think that Jackson Hayes is very good. And I don't think that, you know, this is necessarily like he's a guy that you want to rely on, you know, as your backup five every single night. So we'll see what they do, like with the 13th spot and if they or 14th spot and if they come up with sort of, you know, 
at least the they have two guys that they can sort of go to, you know, and sort of figure out, okay, which one's going to be more reliable? Can Jackson Hayes be better than Harrison Fagan thinks he can be, you know, or is it, you know, the 14th roster spot guy um, who yeah. sort of seizes that role? Um, so yeah, that's that's the only really worry point. I, I'm with you. Like I'm I'm excited for this season. I'm excited for a lot of the different sort of lineup versatility that they have, and I'm excited to just watch a functional basketball team for an entire year versus, you know, the last two years of like, okay, what trade can they make to sort of like salvage this thing and, you know, sort of put the plane together while it's flying. Like they have the plane now and it's just sort of a matter of, you know, where do the passengers sit, who's piloting it, you know, that kind of thing. How far can it fly? Yeah, absolutely. Well, Harrison, I hope that you've enjoyed coming on. Uh, Drop step listeners, we're going to have a fair few more season previews coming your way in the coming weeks before the season starts. I'm excited about some of the guests that we've got lined up, but Harrison, I've loved having you on and the joy of doing these off-season previews is i can ask you live on air do you want to come back on mid-season and we can sort of talk through how it's going see how wrong we were or at least yeah we've got promised me you come back on when james harden suits up I, that's exactly what I was going to say. We can do the James Harden trade reaction and you can play the clip of you sort of breaking the news that this is what's going to happen. And, uh, and you know, I'll, I'll just be like beleaguered and, you know, like I can't believe <laughs> now I have to try and hope that it's like, oh, it, it, this didn't work for those other people, but maybe it can work for us, you know, like the Arrested Development thing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah uh, so yeah, no, I, I, I personally that. guarantee when the James Harden trade is made, I am, I am coming back on the drop step, and uh, we can, we can analyze it and uh, take a look at, you know, uh, what, what the rest of the Lakers season is going to look like. It'll be my first episode labeled therapy session. Uh, but I'm yeah, I can, to I can screen share my screen as I like delete old James Harden <laughs> takes. Oh, you know, like we yeah. can go through and just be like, eh, you know, probably don't want people digging this one up. Um, that kind of thing. <laughs> That'd be great. Harrison, where can the people find your work? We'll leave everything in the description. But if people don't know, Harrison has written for a long time about the Lakers. He's massively involved at SB Nation. And I was just amazed when he said yes to coming on this podcast. So where can the people find your stuff, man? Well, first of all, you flatter me, and uh, I am I'm a lot less busy than you think. Um, you know, it's <laughs> like I'm I'm always flattered to get the invites and you know to get to come on a new podcast and you know mm-hmm. get to meet people. Um, but yeah, you know, you can like you said, uh, FB Nation NBA. I oversee all of the team sites there, uh, and so you know, if you have a favorite team, there's uh, pretty good odds that we have an FB Nation team blog for you, um, as well as you know, I still write a bit and uh, work at Silver Screen and Roll covering the Lakers, uh, that kind of thing. You can find me on uh twitter slash x slash whatever we're calling it at hm fagan yep. uh f-a-i-h-m-f-a-i-g-e-n but yeah you know uh, i'm i'm around and you know uh like, like you said the stuff will be in the description yes excellent thank you for coming on man i'm looking forward to watching the lakers this season but that is it for today's podcast i hope you've enjoyed and i hope you tune back in for another episode of the drop step